And welcome back to Alt Media United's number one flagship second episode. It's the number one episode. Uh, it's the best episode because we have Ricky Verandez here with us on the show. But before we get to Ricky, the man from the great north, some think he might have been <laughs> built in the bowels of CERN. I say he's more than a mere human. He's an adept. Al Borealis from Forum Borealis joins me as the co-host here on the yet-to-be-named Alt Media United Cooperative Podcast. Al, how are you? Greeting, Earthlings. <laughs> well, that's it. That's all you get from me. <laughs> we're here, and we're ready to talk to Ricky Verandez. He's the host of the Ripple Effect Podcast. He is a musician. He is somebody who co-hosts on the really interesting podcast one of the most important conversations in podcasting as sam Tripoli likes to say that is the conversations that take place on the union of the unwanted and since we're having ricky here on the show before we get to uh, what you have prepared to discuss al uh, i just want to say just like Graham in our first episode with the Grimerica show inspiring me to start podcasting uh Ricky as a member of the Union of the Unwanted along with Mike from Our Big Dumb Mouth, Charlie Robinson from the Macroaggressions podcast and Sam Tripoli of course from Tim Foil Hat. These four gentlemen inspired me with their show The Union of the Unwanted when Alex Sakaris and I, as the listeners learned in our first episode, is a part of this venture here. Uh, when Alex Sakaris and I first started talking about Alt Media United, I said, well, I really like what's going on with the Union of the Unwanted. I like when they have, you know, tech people on the show and, and talk about these issues with free speech and censorship. And I, I said, you know, we ought to be the backbone of that, you know, like the union of the unwanted. That's, the, that's the show. That's where they're talking about these ideas. But let, uh, let me get this straight. Union of the unwanted. It's not a union. It's a show, right? It's a podcast. Yes. It's a podcast name. Okay. Yes. So the union of the unwanted, uh, airs two Mondays a month. And like I said, the four co-hosts are Sam, Ricky, Mike, and Charlie, oh, I and they see. invite... So those four are unwanted, and when they come together for a show, that's the union. It's not Got just it. them that are unwanted. It's their guests, too, and they yeah, have... And their guests. They have very large roundtable shows, and, uh, and you know, I like the concept of gathering people together, but I thought, you know, a podcast, yeah, sure, but once the episode's over, everybody parts ways, and, and there, there really isn't that much... Unity. So here we are with Alt Media United, a website uh, with the intention of bringing people in this space who are unwanted by the mainstream outlets, bringing us all together, uh, not under one umbrella, but as independent uh, cooperating operators. Does, does that make any sense? Am I am I going off? All the sense in the world. Right. So I, I guess I should I guess I should fill in the blanks for my approach then because Alex is a guy who he's he's um <laughs> he's similar to what they call venture capitalists. He's mm. an innovator. Uh, we call it grinder in our country. He, grinder? he loves to create stuff. Not necessarily to you know uh, follow it all the way through. He, for that, he wants people on board. So 
He was uh, walking left and right, trying out things. You remember the interview with Miguel Corner on um, uh, who who hosts the Aeon Bite. Uh, Aeon Bite, yes. right? So yes. um, he ha- he tried a video thing with him. Uh, he didn't feel it worked. I mean, the interview itself or the documentary or whatever the trailer was great, but he gave up that format. With me, we talked about creating a channel. A, a little more commercial, maybe, aspect of, of this. He was worried about the free speech situation, the censorship exploding. And um, so we discussed uh, for for a while, back and forth, ideas of, you know, creating a channel, creating a network, creating a streaming service, um, having, like, uh, an umbrella, a platform for free speech, and uh, not just free speech, also, of course, qualitative uh, creative contents and uh, documentary series. And eventually dawned upon him, why not just fuse these two things we're doing here? Uh, the one with Mark and the one with Alan. Uh, bam! That's why we're starting to actually do something with Alt Media United now. Produce like this flagship show. And we haven't found a name yet, but we, we get, we're going to get around to that. We have all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's interesting because the topic we, we do with our guest today is precisely that concern. And in that regard, I have some... Um, Actually, I'm not that prepared as you you, you deluded your listeners to think because I, I haven't even uh, opened them here ready, but I can reference them by memory, these news um, clips or whatever you want to call it. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. We, we I shared it delude. with you and Alex in our little internal um, communication uh, venue. But, mm. you know, uh, I, I make a point of... Uh, I said last time we talked with uh, the grey ham, I said, uh, look, I corrected him. I said, don't don't fall into this deep false dichotomy thing of left-right. Because even if you feel you're warranted to do that, you're going to alienate a bunch of potential allies that we need. Right. And the same goes for so-called leftists that, well, and- oh, there's alt-right, alt-right. When you do that, you're playing into the game. What right. we need to do here is come together, every th- one at the bottom, and hit, bam, at the elite. Mm. And uh, I don't care, populists from everywhere, as long as you're for freedom, as long as you're for decentralization, as long as you're for autonomy, as long as you are fighting against the man, the, the boot coming down on us all, come, come, come. Right. And... Um, Ah, I should read that uh, roomy quote about that. Come, come, whoever you are. Mm. But, um, yeah, look it up, folks. But to, to rewind to the point then. Um, so I make a point of listening to both the so-called left and the so-called right, as long as they are the right people. So we are talking about people with more in common than divides us. You know, they, I don't care about this culture war, uh, identity politic distraction. I'm not saying it's not important to discuss stuff like abortion or gender or whatever, but those are luxury items we can muse about when we go to freedoms and our lives and our society back, right? 
Uh, then you can discuss, yeah, should we have like uh, state-sponsored healthcare? Should we have like uh, commercial free market healthcare? Should we have anything in between? Fine, academic discussions we can have. And then we can have a go back to the real right and left again. But right now, everybody is plebs. And they are uh, encouraged to blame the neighbor instead of who's actually making decisions. So in that spirit, I always keep... Tra- like, I love the show Redacted. It's... Uh, I guess they would be identified on the right. And um, I also love shows like Russell Brand, who I guess would be identified on the left. But if you take a closer look, you'll see that the listeners are from all over the Left, right, centre, doesn't matter. They all... They appeal beyond those limited... Mm. Um, straight jacket right. decoy terms. Now, one of those shows I keep uh, religiously following is Jimmy Dore show for that kind of uh, news items. And he had uh, the last month, I'm talking now September, October 22, he has had a lot of uh, report, And he's not the only one, Kim Ivers, and lots of people have reported these things, but breaking points who, who, who try to... There's actually uh, some platforms, The Hill, which is a corporate platform, who make a point out of bringing together left and right. So I like that. Even, I'm not talking about the show, but the idea. But here's the thing. There's some revelations now that everything we've been talking about in our so-called alti-sphere... It's not only true, it's worse than true. And it's documented, it's uh, revealed, it's beyond. You you can't use the derogatory term conspiracy theory anymore when you mention these things to normies. In fact, the entire smear of conspiracy theory that has shut down so much criticism, debate, is now not even working anymore because <laughs> in, in real time, uh, all the things they... Hallmark as conspiracy theory is proven to be true and often worse. So nowadays it's just uh, another word for spoiler warning. But back to the point. Um, We have, for example, the bots thing. 80% of Twitter is bots. It's um, all run by uh, Intel and corporations. Those are dominating the internet. Uh, So... I don't have these uh, reports in front of me, but if you go through uh, Jimmy Dore's uh, show for... And he's not the only one, but at least there you can find it. They report on all these revelations that uh, social media is run by Intel or organizations. It's worse than we think. They're completely uh, captured and in bed. And so they have the hire like thousands and thousands of people, agents. Basically, what's going on is that you have bots... Trolls and agents controlled by uh, the different different controllers. Common, all of them have money. And this is the point with being a billionaire. If you're a billionaire, if you're at the level of a Gates, a Musk, a Teal, or whatever, Soros, you don't really need, you have more money than you could ever spend on you. Even, I don't care, you can buy a yacht and a private play, jet plane every day of your life, you still can't use up the money. Why do they have all that money? There's only one reason they have that kind of money, and that is to buy influence. It's to use that money to control society, especially in a world where decisions are more and more being made by money. 
more than anything else, including political decisions, because you buy the politicians, right? You buy the government agencies, like, uh, well, I'll not mention it, so this show won't be censored, but you, you know exactly which ones, you know, connected to COVID, all that. So, and they buy influence. People are now, because there's, they need people to be poor, because if there's, there's weak worker unions, if there's dog-eat-dog, then they can control you know, everybody's working for a corporation. How on earth are we going to get rid of corporatism? We're not. Because people are faring for their life, for their job, right? So that's what they're doing. That's why they're dismantling the middle class. That's why they're dismantling, uh, you know, small businesses. So that you're either a serf or worse, you're an outcast. They cancel you like uh, Trudeau did with the protesters, truckers, cancel your PayPal, cancel your bank account. We're all, they are throttling and destroying our abilities to shout out. And that's why they needed an operation Mockingbird for the internet. So the internet was a huge problem. They, you know, it led to things that the elites didn't want. Like, uh, I'm not saying Donald Trump is a true you know, rebel or, or everything he he stands for is, our, is for the benefit of the people. It doesn't matter. They didn't want him. Same with Brexit. I don't care the reasons you were against Brexit. It's being smeared as a racist thing. That's bullshit. That was just a few of them who had that concern. Most of the people who were, wanted UK out of the union. And why Norway, which isn't a racist country at all, always three times we'd have uh, votes people votes uh, what's the English word for that um, populist yeah well, no people vote when people are voting instead of politicians oh, taking uh, it dem- democratic no no you know when you can vote for a politician but some issues you can vote directly. oh okay I, I get what you're saying yeah, yeah. it's uh, so um, I, I don't know the English word but uh, yeah. we were voting three times not to join EU so the, they had to quench the tools we have to educate and enlighten each other. And that way, one of those ways is to, of course, amp up the censorship that they're doing and demonetizing that they're doing and that we've been wailing and woeing and lamenting about. And we're going to get, talk more about that in the future. But another very effective tool, because still, despite all, all that, if, you, if, if you're a popular uh, broadcaster and you know, all the comments, everybody agrees, you have to start uh, splitting people and many people are going with the flock. So if you can pay people, agents, uh, call them that. I'm not saying they're like full-fledged CIA agents with a card, uh, they work there, but just people are being paid for that. Big Pharma has done that for years and years. And then you have bots in addition, because then you reach even more people. The same message being put out by a million fake accounts. Suddenly you think you're a minority. Suddenly you think the sense that you're making, and the sense that those you're supporting and listening to making. So, oh, oh, oh my God, for example, this uh, thing about censorship. Suddenly everybody is for the censorship. I don't care if Generation C is brainwashed and destroyed that's not enough to account for the incredible support for censorship you know the campaign against so-called dismiss and malinformation because the truth is we've always been the majority and that's what they need to uh, lure us into thinking that we're not 
Because if we think we are like weird outcasts, my family thinks I'm crazy, what's going on here, right? I'm, I'm just this lone nut, then we lose the power. But if we realize Jesus Christ, 90% agree about this, then we can actually uh, do so. So that's why they need to control the narrative in terms of also poisoning the well, mudding the waters, pretending that the public opinion, that's why 80% of Twitter is bots. And that's been uh, this revelation about this, how industry, multinational corporations, how the intel organizations, even FBI, even the military, even Pentagon has has these, and that, uh, uh, I think Pentagon's up was the worst. <laughs> it didn't work. It was just a money waste. And so we see how this works. And we know all the mainstream media is, of course, captured, like uh, Bezos owns Wall Street. Uh, now what's it called? Um, Washington Post. So these are, are news outlets that are, uh, th- this is all coming out now. And have you noticed something, Mark? I'll end my rant now. Uh, but uh, I'll end it with, uh, uh, the ball is over to you with this. Have you noticed that it's not that they are censoring and forbidding a topic and you can never return to it. It's that when it happens, it's being throttled. And then in the aftermath, when it's irrelevant, then all, and, and when the truth comes out, it's like when a newspaper say uh, uh, fake news and then they have to correct themselves long after in a small notice that nobody's reading. So the truth always eventually comes out. Oh, okay, COVID was in a lab. Oh, okay, less people dies from COVID than the flu. But then it's people have moved on to the next shiny object, the next hysterical news items. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's the entrainment, the processing of our media, which has always been weaponized. It was invented by the military, the the television broadcasting network here in the United States. It was maybe not invented, but at least funded by the United States. And definitely they explored that technology before it became commercially viable. So, yeah, I think we've been hypnotically entrained into shorter and shorter attention spans with this exact goal in mind of being able to uh yeah clean up the spills so to speak when it when they occur because they they know that they can uh they can never hide the truth but if they can just muddy the narrative uh and and put enough smoke in the field they know they can obscure enough people's vision so that there's doubt as to what actually occurred right in a sort of an an analogical sense right there's sort of uh, a smoke screen of information uh, they suggest extremes on many sides of the spectrum and it it sort of fits into the hegelian dialect a little bit and yeah i'm glad you brought up the the covid we should let the listeners know we're recording this intro sometime after um we spoke with ricky but uh but yeah ricky has gone to great lengths to provide resources for his audience uh specifically medical resources he interviews some of the the most brilliant doctors who are not being uh heard right their their, their message is not being heard because the media ha- has for the past however many months almost two years and more uh has you know been conducting this sort of propaganda campaign and to your point you know, they don't need to hide the truth forever. They just need to hide the truth 
while the uh, while the battle is going on, so to speak. It's relevant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, but Ricky, I mean, if you go to his show, the Ripple Effect podcast, you can see the evolution of the past two years. I mean, he's he he's been on the 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 ball, really. I mean, he's done an exemplary job, and I think the Union of the Unwanted and all of these podcasts really exploded in 2020 because a a lot of people were stuck at home. Uh, maybe a lot of people like myself quit their job or, or lost their job. Um, Wait a minute. Are you saying numbers went up during the pandemic? I'm saying more and more people started Because I got podcasts. lower numbers during the pandemic. No, I'm saying more people started podcasts. Right, right. Like right. It, it became something more and more people were participating in. and uh, And I think that's why Sam... And the guys were like, yeah, let's do the Union of the Unwanted. And to your point earlier, it's so nonpartisan. It's exactly what we we need. They invite all these different view, viewpoints onto their platform. And, you know, depending on the topic, they do try to get as many people on as possible. Maybe not all who agree with one another. I've been a part of several Union of the Unwanted episodes, some of which uh, there were debates being had, some of which I participated in. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that, that this is exactly what we need more of is open discourse in this realm and, and alt media is not alt right or alt left media. It's alternative media. It's alternative to what the mainstream is promoting. Uh, because if you're, if you're tuning into this show, you know, we're serving the function of keeping you informed and also from a perspective, uh, of people that maybe is more agreeable, you know, cause not a lot of podcasts discuss what we're going to discuss from this perspective. You might hear podcast news podcasts from mainstream sources. I mean, it's just this is a niche that I think uh, think we're we're very comfortable in. But I kind of lost, got ahead of myself, and lost track of where I was going with the point about Ricky and his uh, emphasis on medical freedom, specifically the freedom of information in the the medical realm because it's been so suppressed, not just in the past two years, but, I mean, ever since the induction of what we would consider allopathic medicine, there's been a a entire suppression of holistic medicine. Uh, That's one of the conspiracy theories that I've been uh, very much passionate about since I was uh, 20 years old. No, I mean, no, no, no. It, it, it's not a theory, but it's it's perceived as a theory. So it, maybe I'm I should be more by clear by the average person who would think my who would think we're crazy. I mean, you know, that's yeah, but, my you perspective. Know, the average person yeah. knows nothing about anything except what they actually know anything about. And it's an old um, is it a Sufi adage? Everybody is, is adept only on different matters. See, or but everybody is ignorant only on different in matters. In Europe, and, though, and I know you're not, you know, uh, monocultured. You, you've experienced yeah. many different cultures. But yeah. in Europe, you guys have held on to a lot of the traditions that were stripped away here in the United States during the Industrial Revolution. Sure, there's plenty of pharmaceutical powers there in Europe, but... Your food is grown the old way. Your your you know your diets are still enriched because you haven't like taken the landscape and totally ripped it apart and and tried to build 
a, a new template GMOs on it. GMOs are illegal in my country. Right. Well, they've been they've been basically uh, used as you know they this is the testing ground for them is what I'm trying to say. Like I live in the GMO la- laboratory. Maybe not my state, but the Midwest for sure, and that's where yeah, a lot of the food comes from. It in your country. Well, yeah, no, they're very deceptive about that kind of stuff, which is again to the point that Ricky covers and and it again it's not something that he just became fascinated with if you go back i think he's been doing the ripple effect podcast as long as our past guest uh Graham and Darren have been doing the Grimerica show he's another you know uh 5 6 year plus podcaster and he's been covering this alternative health sector because at least here in the states there's a very defined um indoctrination when it comes to health right people are so subservient to medical authority that they remove the sovereignty that they're given at birth over their own health they they uh, forfeit it because they're they're given this uh notion that i am not qualified to understand my own body and that could be true because the education system has left us incapable but the yeah but it's worse than that if you do your own research somehow you are being stigmatized or oh, what what right. kind of idiot are you are you doing your own research <laughs> right right trust the authorities follow the science right now these are all anti-scientific statements this is the opposite of science science is dissent science is discussion science is exploration um and uh, uh, critical thinking and open uh, discussions are paramount to it. But yeah, scientism, this is, look, scientism and big pharma went hand in hand. Scientism exploded in the 2000s. That's one of the battles that Alex was fighting. He didn't realize it then. Alex Akiris was skeptical, that is. But he realized it eventually that these things are connected because when they launched the huge scientism agenda that's that was all precursors you know we, nothing of this could have happened if they didn't manage to disconnect people from that old right sensible and it's um, a long game they've been playing it like i yeah, said i it believe goes... myself first my own experience first my own reality mm. is the baseline and then i explore the from there but now no don't think for yourself no critical thinking we were better off in the old days before the internet when we only had um monomedia uh, despite that internet gave us the freedom because back then people trusted themselves and there was a huge variety in the mainstream media everybody could have their own you know communists could have their own outlet anyone could have their own outlet and people were much more critical uh, like if a journalist got it wrong it was a scandal and he was booted off uh, you know they lost um, believability nothing of that is going on anymore we're completely into a brave new world 1984 kind of thing and scientism was part of that because scientism did this thing with people's mind that you should become authoritarian seeking oh hey you should be religious let's not get too carried away we have uh we have optimism and a reason for optimism considering what we're capable of communicating these ideas with podcasting so as much as i agree with you that it is we're sort of in the the final hours so to speak uh there's still hope 
I believe, because, you know, we're we're seeing more and more people now having a reason uh, to yeah. wake up to these things, whereas before, uh, you know, uh, ignorance Leave was alone. bliss. That's right. And and everybody was was, you know, feeding off of the the abundant tit of the government uh, yeah. until the milk went sour. Now it's sour and people have spit it out and. You know the government's saying no, sour. it's not it sour. Up in your country, <laughs> it's not sour. It's good for you. Drink it, you know, or 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 even worse. No, there's still milk coming out of it. Trust me, keep sucking, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I don't mean to get too grotesque. But <laughs> yeah, look, uh, it's not just that. Uh, it's hope. Uh, right. We are better off in many ways than ever because more people than ever realize that they are trapped in a collective sham. Mm. They realize that. You know, everybody's against cults and sects, right? Mm. But they didn't realize they actually wearing one themselves. Mm-hmm. Namely, their society mm-hmm. is a huge cult now. Mm. It's a globalist, neoliberal, cult, fascist cult, neo-fascist cult. And people are realizing this. Uh, COVID was a huge contributor because even, even Epstein, which didn't really matter to people in a way, other than the moral indign- indignity, but with COVID, their own health is on the line. So we need, we're reaching that critical mass. In fact, we've passed that critical mass, I would venture, but it's kept artificially quenched because, uh, again, back to the money. If you have all, the, it's all the money in the world against all the people in the world. But we're still the 99% and people are realizing it. And I, I would say, if we're going to win this battle, get our life and our democracy back. It's all about can we keep uh, getting the word out to each other mm. in this climate. That's what it's all about. And that's why I think Alt Media United has a crucial role. And I have to go back to my pet peeve and just say that I prefer the word independent media versus the corporate media. But sure, we can say mainstream media and alternative media too. It's the same thing. It's mm. just, you know, a rose by any other name, etc. So, um, yeah, we'll be, we're, we're very good off now uh, because the, I think a kill switch of the internet is the last card. Mm. I think like the day before the, you know, the rioters are at the doorstep and the guillotine is set up in the town square, bam, that's when the internet will go off. <laughs> but then it's too late. Then everybody will know mm. why and what. And we live in crazy times. I mean, we're, we're very, very close to a nuclear war, actually. <laughs> If anybody in the future listening to this, mm, so, so we'll see where it goes. There's there's so much going on that I can see a thousand good outcomes and a thousand bad ones. It's like it's like what they call an event horizon. We've mm. never been, you know, if we live in a simulated universe, the game can go anywhere at this point. And I say to all your listeners out there, don't underestimate the power of the mind of the collective consciousness. So. Be mindful of what toxics, what pollutions you permit inside yourself and be mindful of your, what you're putting out there. If you want to help clean up this world, join us and support this show. Uh, join the federation, we, the union we have, and, and listen, the guests we are handpicking really have something to tell you. And that's certainly true for the guy lined up for today. Well said, and that's a great way to lead us in to our conversation with Ricky Verandez, host of the Ripple Effect podcast. Go to altmediaunited.com 
to find all the information about his show and all the other shows that we've joined forces with here, making sure free speech uh, remains a part of the Internet, uh, specifically in the media space. So, Al, thank you, brother. And uh, listeners, enjoy this conversation with Ricky Verandez. podcaster you've got a great show the ripple effect podcast and we're here we're recording on alt media united this is a live podcast that uh, we're all doing now al and i and we're going to be connecting with podcasters like yourself and talking about what is going on in this world of alternative media not just the stories and the news but also the the concepts what motivates you what technology you use and and maybe even what you anticipate being on the horizon. Um, but with the Alex Jones trial going on and all this craziness in the world, what are your thoughts as an alternative media podcaster, musician, someone who's been, you know, largely independent in that way for a long time now? Well, the Alex Jones thing, uh, it's funny if nobody, if people out there haven't watched Alex's war, the documentary, it's worth watching. It's uh, I think it humanizes Alex, which I think is much needed because even though I know it's, you know, and I think we, I don't know if I was talking about this on my podcast or my other show, the union done wanted recently, but I know this got the Alex Jones topic gets brought up a lot in alternative media because many people have been red pilled by Alex Jones and many others will say that, you know, Alex Jones does more harm than good. And maybe both can be true. Right. And, but I, I do think that somebody like him who, it, it looks like it's it's quite obvious that they're the the same extent that they will go to to um, cancel and censor Trump. They're doing the same thing with Alex, I think, probably because he's connected to Trump in some ways, and they have uh, similar audiences. And you know, I, I think people should be concerned when when they first censored him on all the major platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all those places overnight and they colluded together which was the scariest thing because the fact that all these tech companies were working together to basically vanish somebody from the face of the earth and if you're not on all the major platforms that's kind of what it feels like it feels like you just vanished from the face of the earth same thing happened with trump i mean I think even the WWE website took Trump off their website because he, you know, he contributed in, in some matches in the past and uh, they have like a list of all the wrestlers in WWE. And I think Trump was on that list and they like removed them. And it's like, you literally, literally could not find any evidence that this person existed anywhere. So, I mean, that's concerning. And I'm sure you guys agree. And you probably have talked about it much uh, yourselves about the idea that nobody cares about censorship when they're censoring people you don't like. And then it becomes an issue when they're censoring people you do like. And it's just a matter of time before that happens and more people start waking up. But you look at like Jimmy Dore, the backlash of, of speaking out against his vaccine um, issues, his, his side effects. And um, I just had Naomi Wolf on 
who really has made a name for herself as a feminist. You know, uh, the be- uh, the beauty myth was one of her uh, biggest uh, books from um, the '90s, and she was like a, a really well, you know well known, outspoken feminist, and and somebody who uh, grew up in California and related to, with the left and all that stuff. And and now she's getting tons of backlash because of her her being outspoken. I believe that she got kicked off Twitter, but it's like. It, it doesn't matter which political party you're on or which ideology you may have. It's all about mainstream narrative. And if you go against the mainstream narrative, if you go uh, against, you know, the, the shadow government, whatever you want to call it, or uh, the corporations or the people who, who are pulling the strings and having influence, it doesn't matter uh, what your ideology is. And I think sometimes we get caught up in all that. But to, to answer your question, without a doubt, it's concerning. You know, I think a lot of people celebrated and wasn't concerned about Alex Jones being canceled. They weren't concerned about Trump being canceled. Um, there's child porn on Twitter. There's uh, terrorist groups that have Twitter accounts. And and yet, you know, Trump gets uh, canceled. Uh, but yet, you know, Infowars gets canceled. I mean, what does that tell you? I mean, it's absolutely insanity. It's not about protecting people. It's not about misinformation or disinformation. It's just about uh, suppressing information in general if it goes against, you know, their agenda. Right. Right. And we see this over and over. And and I think more often than not, it's a lack of information that leaves people to only put their content on YouTube or only put their content in one place. And then it's very easy for someone to come along and censor you when they disagree with what you're saying. And, you know, something that someone's talking about two months ago might become out of style and then all of a sudden, you know, become a point of extremism where people were oblivious to a concept and then all of a sudden now you can be considered a bad person in society if you speak about certain things you can be considered a bigot if you express any you know disbelief towards something like 72 genders or uh, any number of other ridiculous concepts that are being floated around well, the concern is the social credit score, right? These, this is all baby steps and controlling everybody. And eventually you have to behave or you won't have access to money or resources or whatever. And the thing about all these things that they, they happen in baby steps. And so people don't think it's a big deal when it's happening. Cause it's like, Oh, it's just this, or it's just that what's the big deal. But like many of us, like we look at the big picture and we can see um, things play out and, and we also learn from history. And I mean, COVID a recent uh, history experiment. I mean, look at COVID initially. It was like, People were like, oh, just, you know, lock down for a week or two. What's the big deal? Stay home for a week or two. What's the big deal? And then it turned into a month. Then it turned into six months. Then it turned into a year. Then it turned into never ending. And, you know, at that time. It's- and a perpetual ad and a perpetual ad for Big Pharma. Yeah. And, the and- American COVID situation. And, and the crazy thing is, is everybody was on board. You couldn't get away from COVID. I mean, I, I remember telling people, I'm like, this is insane that. The, these vaccines are being marketed and advertised everywhere, but nowhere by the pharmaceutical companies themselves. Like none of there was, they can't market it because it's a, um, you know, uh, emergency authorization. So they can't market it the way they would market other drugs, but they had everybody else doing it for them. Every morning because show. Because everybody else is on their payroll. I mean, uh, mainstream media would be bankrupt if they were dependent on audience. So they are getting their money from uh, basically from 
big pharma and, and, and the military industrial complex. Well, and we're getting our audience from all the people who are waking up to that very obvious scheme that's at work right now. I mean, unfortunately, not everyone's that bright, but we're seeing shows like the Ripple Effect podcast, Forum Borealis, growing and growing over these past few years because people are like, oh, geez, I'm not going to get programmed anymore. This could lead to really serious side effects. Well, one thing I do like that, look, one good thing that did come out of 2020 and one thing I do like about uh, what's happened is the fact that people who would never be skeptical of vaccines ha- are now skeptical of vaccines. Because the thing is, there's always this disconnect between like, if you talked about any pharmaceutical drug about it being taken off the market after being FDA approved and how dangerous that is and how the studies uh, are, are um, the, the studies, the research for uh, getting something FDA approved, those studies are paid by big pharma and they're done by big pharma or whatever subcontractor researcher uh, group they're working with. So the FDA doesn't do the studies themselves. So the studies can be manipulated. Any studies that show that their drugs aren't safe, don't have to be shown. Like the whole system's rigged. And if you talked about all that, people would be like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And then once you talk about vaccines, even though it's from the same companies, all of a sudden there's this disconnect where it's like, yeah, but vaccines are, are safe and effective. And and the science is settled and 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 look at polio right look at polio it's you know it's like back to polio yeah polio is actually what started the vaccine skepsis because they made an error with the polio vaccine so many people got polio and died and after that there's always so-called anti-vaxxers vaccine skeptics so polio is the worst example they could use actually because we have a documented on the book scandal there but um, of course, what you're saying, you're painting a huge picture here. And uh, what you're alluding to, deliberately or not, is that there's a big battle going on uh, between the powers that be, which of course is big pharma, the establishment, the oligarchs, corporatism, basically, and uh, populism. That's why they're smacking down Alex Jones, Jimmy Dore, Donald Trump, now, Trump tries to play ball with them. He tr- really tried to give them everything. He ev- even gave them a couple of mock wars. But they can't accept him nonetheless because when Trump uh, embraces a war, lots of people become anti-war, especially uh, the Kool-Aid drinking uh, Democratic voters. And then you have a majority of anti-war. Much better to make Obama do the war than a Bush. Much better to make a Biden do the war than a Trump. Because then they can get away with it. Because the war industry, they, they are not ideologists. They don't care fuck about left or right or whatever. They care about the bottom line, which is profit. And they will profit when there are many active wars in the world that America is involved in. Uh, now, Ukraine is the same, even though you, your military isn't fighting it. It's still, we're giving billions to Ukraine, meaning we're paying billions to our local weapon manufacturers and then send the weapons there. What they do with it, we don't care because now we're producing new ones that we want you to buy. So that's what it's all about. It's about crushing populism. And what they're really terrified about, and I guess you alluded to that too, that's when the left populism and the right populism coalesce on a case-to-case basis. And if you really look into it, you'll see that we have actually more to coalesce. There's more 
agreement between populism left and populist right, then there are important cases that distinguishes us. What separates us basically is identity politics. That's why the establishment needs to have the neocon, neolib dichotomy, uh, which are represented in both parties. They agree, of course, they agree about all important things, security politics, military politics, economical politics, and then give them this dog and pony show, as you American says. Give them this identity politics thing that we can disagree about. Look at the abortion thing. So goddamn prepared for so long because that was the last card. And, and it failed. They thought that would save the DNC. And it didn't. People got angry at the DNC. So now they need wars. They need wars with China. They need wars with Russia. So we haven't seen the bottom of the barrel. Remember when Trump was almost winning? Oh, he's crazy. He's going to push the bottom. He's going to... The world was much safer under that semi-fascist than it is under these outright corporate fascists who are, you know, uh, stirring up, mudding the waters with China and Russia. They're, they're crazy. And they think China and Russia aren't serious, but they are dead serious about Taiwan and Ukraine. Sorry, I, I went on a rant there. But no, Ricky, your thoughts on anything that Al just shared? No, I mean those are those are all important points. I mean, I, the the thing about politics is that it it's like pro wrestling or your favorite series or soap opera. Even if you know it's fake, even if you know it's scripted, you can't help but get emotionally involved. And it's it politics is the same thing. The thing about politics, it's like we know that they're speechwriters. So when they're talking, they're not organic organically talking to you we know that there's certain ways they phrase certain stories or certain opinions uh to to mold public perception we know all this stuff is happening and and yet we fall for it like we know the reason why you know every uh, person running for president seems so patriotic and there's uh super PAC commercials it's because they're trying to paint this picture of being patriotic and pro-america um and yet, like we we fall for it over and over again. It's all theater. It's all scripted. It's all. I mean, that's one of the reasons why people I think enjoy Trump because I you know, and I'm not a um, a Trumper by any stretch of imagination, but uh, I, I do think there's a, a appeal because even though he was a loose cannon, he wasn't the cookie cutter type of politician that we were constantly being force fed, and people are like, okay, well. He's such a loose cannon that at least I kind of get some um, reflection of who he is. Because even and if he, he, he's hated by the establishment, your enemy's enemy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people have to remember that they the Republicans didn't want him to uh, to run. No, they didn't no. want him to win. It took to the point where it was undeniable that he was the favorite for them to be like because they're all like you said, you know. Politicians are no different than the military industrial complex or big pharma. They don't care about ideologies. They don't care what Trump stands for. They work but, for them. Yeah. And and I'm not sure Trump cares what he stands for. I'm not sure he stands for anything besides, you know, just trying to uh, you know, win votes and and whatnot. But he uh, you know, he he it, it got to a point where like they couldn't deny that he was going to win. So all these people who spoke poorly of him eventually jumped on board for their own career. They're like, okay, now I'm going to yeah. say I'm for Trump. And you see it all the time. Like I remember seeing this uh, montage of um, it was Obama and, uh, and Hillary when they're running against each other. Right. 
uh, when they're running against each other, all the bad things they said about each other. And then when they're, uh, when um, uh, they were running for each other, right. When, when uh, Hillary was running and Obama was saying all these nice things about her that contradict all the other things he said when he was running against her. So it's like, it's all a facade. It's all like there's to be a politician I mean, I couldn't do it. I'm not sure you guys could do it because you have lying has to be something you don't even consider. Like it has to be something that doesn't even cross your mind. You just care about the outcome. The outcome is I need to get votes or I need to convince these people of this thing. If what I'm saying is true or not true, that's not relevant at all. Like, and it's like to have that skill is and like I mean it's psychopathic, right? I mean it's you know they've talked about how you know CEOs of companies and and uh, uh, high ranked politicians how they all have the same traits of a psychopath because you almost have to because if we were running uh, you know for whatever political office and we were constantly lying, I mean personally that shit would eat me up inside. I'd, I'd be, I, eventually I would look in the mirror, mirror and be like, I, I don't like who I see. I don't know who I am. I don't, I've become something I'm not proud that's of. That's why you would never have a career in either party. Exactly. I mean, you, you only have one party in America. It's like mm. what Galloway says, it's, it's one ass with the two, two cheeks of the same ass. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you can see this now in the takedown of Trump. This takedown, everybody thinks it's the Democrats which is behind. The, the truth of the matter, hear me now, quote me later, is that the Republicans, when they lost control to populism, you see, Democrats watched that with horror and they learned from it. That's why they quenched uh, Bernie. So both Bernie and, and Donald had a populism campaign in 16. In 20, neither of them had, but both had in 16. And so... Uh, the Republicans have been helpless because the Republican base are so into uh, the Donald. So only way to salvage as a cheek of the same ass is to crush Trump and the Trumpists. And they, yes, they look at Alex as one, but they have other reasons also to take down Alex. So that's what's going on it's it's the entire establishment is behind this so people in the law people in the military in the deep state they can be both republicans and democrats in terms of what they vote it doesn't matter this is the establishment that's the one party who is coming down on uh, the populism wing of the republicans in order to salvage it take it back so they can continue with the to the false dichotomy of, um, you know, what you say, uh, the election of the worst, what you say, you say um, the worst choice, something like that, you know, two bad choices. So they need that, but they need both of them to be on board with the agenda. And Trump isn't, he's, like you say, he's a loose cannon. He, he, he was the only one who also didn't always follow scripts. Yes, he did some scripts, but he could also go off cuff as you say and, and rant on so yes they he's a they've always re regarded uh, him as uh, like a vulgar like a tacky kind of oligarch he was never accepted culturally and he has some ideals like some nationalism ideas that he actually believes in so trump has to go but the real tragedy here isn't trump the real tragedy, it's like the Epstein case. Nobody's really crying for Epstein, right? Few tears 
over him. But it's the of what's going on. It's how they can coordinate this thing and just bam, come down as a hammer, like they did with Assange already back in 12, coordinated attack. Talk about th that's the definition of conspiracy. That is when people collude and agree in private and then they enact, manifest whatever. That happened with Assange, PayPal, Visa, all the banks, the whole charade, bam. It happened with Alex Jones and the idiots were clapping. Even if you believe he's, he's doing a disservice, even if you believe that he's doing more harm than good in his constant wolf, wolf crying. It still means that it, it, is this, it is the truism. Then they came for me and there were no one left. That's exactly what's going on. That's why we small podcasters need to care about all these things. Because when the big ones, they're going to take Russell Brand, they're going to take Kim Iverson, they're going to take Jimmy Dore, they're going to take Joe Rogan, they're going to take them all if they have their way. And then there's no one left to be the buffer for all small guys. Then they're coming off the podcast because that is lost free space. Well, and that's why education is so important, I think. I mean, we could be another cheek of the same ass and just spout stuff we have opinions about. But I think in the alternative community, we have a responsibility to give people what they've been lacking from our culture, which is information and education. I mean, Ricky, you've done several shows about the benefits of homeschooling and how our school system is leading us to failure and, and setting us up for failure in a lot of cases. Yeah, well, I mean, I was one of those people who the school system kind of gave up on. I, uh, uh, much like our buddy Al, I am a foreigner and uh, I, I came from, I was born in Portugal, came here when I was four. And then when I came uh, to America and ended up eventually living in Massachusetts, uh, I was always a little bit behind and the school system basically eventually said, Hey, you're here, you know, let's move you to special ed. And, um, because when I came, when you're four kids are basically speaking. So I was only exposed to Portuguese in Portugal, came to America, then was basically only exposed to mostly English mix the two languages. And then basically nobody understood what I was saying for a couple of years until I figured it all out. But, uh, eventually I figured Did you it still all speak Portuguese. Yeah. Well, my parents don't speak any English. We, we, uh, we live in, well, I shouldn't say any, I, they speak some, but because we're in a, uh, we, we ended up moving to this place in, in uh, Massachusetts, right outside of Springfield, Massachusetts called, uh, Ludlow and Ludlow has a huge Portuguese community. It's uh, actually, it's, it's a mixture of, it's probably like 75% Portuguese, 25% Polish. And, uh, but it's a lot of people right off the boat. And, uh, there's a couple other towns locally like Chicopee and, and some others that, um, are a mixture of Portuguese and Polish. Chicopee is very similar to Ludlow in regards to that. Uh, but Ludlow is like very Portuguese. It's kind of another spot in like New Jersey, Newark is kind of another like really Portuguese spot feeding Hills. But what happens is uh, not feeding Hills, um, uh, fall river. And, uh, if you end up going like growing up in one of these places, you really aren't forced to have to speak the language because or speak English because you go to Portuguese bakeries, Portuguese butcher shops, your kids that end up being raised here end up 
uh, reading your mail. Uh, they end up taking care of, you know, that type of stuff. You know, they become your, your personal translators. So I would go to the doctor with my parents and translate mm. and all that stuff. So my parents never really were, and then they worked for Portuguese people. So they never really were forced to have to learn the language. That's how they could be here for so long. And um, for a while I thought like, oh, they, you know, that I'm like, they really should be learning the language. But, and then uh, now looking back, I'm like, I kind of get it. You know, I, and it's nice to kind of also be attached to uh, you know your culture a little bit and and bring it with you and, and not forget about it and still be exposed to language. Um, I, I love it. I mean, I love the fact that I, I still am forced to speak uh, Portuguese to my parents and, and my family that that lives here. Um, but yeah, so you know, when you come here, well, you know, th so that was a big contributor to why I think the school system kind of uh, just said, okay, like he's he's behind. Let's throw him the special ed. And uh, that's why everybody calls me Ricky because I was trying to fit it fit in. My my full name is Ricardo. Uh, my full my actual full name. Portuguese people are crazy. They my full name is Ricardo George Gomes Verandas. So it's because uh, they you have a middle name and you have your mother's maiden name. But, Believe um, me, I know because I'm into Bossa Nova, <laughs> and those guys have the same. But they so, always shorten it, you know. Yes. Like well, Tom Jobin. His name isn't Tom Jobin, folks. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah same thing here like most people will end up when they you know grow up in america they'll end up like leaving a a name out and they're like i'm just going to shorten it to this or you know maybe just not even using their middle names but i uh so i was always behind and in the school system i was thrown a special ed um and then i was always behind and the school system eventually decided that maybe i should go to a vocational school because if i'm not doing very good in regards to like book stuff then i must be a hands-on kid and uh, so they sent me to a vocational school half of the day in high school and um, so all this stuff was going on and they've kind of brainwashed me in the believing that what they're saying is true, that I just must not like learning. Learning's not my thing. Um, I'm not a book guy. I must not like these topics like history or science or any of the, you know, geography, what any of these things. And, um, and I never really got brainwashed because I never really paid attention. You know, in school, I, I kind of had this mentality of like, okay, um, you know, this stuff's boring. I, if you're not going to explain why it's important or you're not going to relate it to um you know helping me understand myself or the world around me then just memorizing information for the sake of memorizing information is completely useless so i would just i would doodle i would draw a lot i, I used to that was kind of my first art that i really fell in love with was i would just turn my papers over and draw and then when i would hand them um, to the teachers, typically they would flip it over and then see why I didn't do my paper because I was just drawing the whole class. And um, so I think that helped. You know, I wasn't uh, brainwashed because I didn't pay attention. And I think that's why a lot of kids and not not just kids, but uh, people in the alternative media community, people who end up starting businesses that are uh, against the grain or um, consists of like outside the box thinking. A lot of them weren't like, you know, um, people who necessarily went to a university and did really good in, in college, you know, they, uh, I think sometimes it takes uh, somebody who maybe looks at things differently and uh, different perspectives. And if you just do really good in school, you basically end up becoming a victim to the system of like, okay, you re regurgitate this 
and then, you know, memorize this, regurgitate this, and we'll pass you along and you can get a good paying job and you can go to a good university and, and that's it. But the problem is that then you have no problem solving skills. You have no critical thinking skills. Um, I think when we say somebody's street smart compared to somebody being book smart, what we're saying is they have critical thinking skills because when you're surviving on the street, for lack of a better term, and, and you're trying to, um, you know, basically survive without, uh, you know, doing the typical approach of, of doing good in school and getting good grades or whatever. Uh, typically you have to have some problem solving skills because you're going to run into some issues or get, got to find creative ways of making money or creative ways of surviving or creative ways of, of, of expanding whatever passion project you might have. And we're a typical person where, you know, you can go to school, you can just regurgitate information, memorize information. The second you pass that test, that information is gone from your memory bank because nobody ever told you why it's important or how it's important important. So um, you can survive that way. And I remember during the COVID uh, time when people were still wearing masks, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like seeing people driving by themselves in a Land Rover or a AMG Mercedes or a seven class Mercedes, uh, seven series uh, BMW, like all these expensive cars and they're wearing a mask by themselves in the car was a perfect example of how you can do you know you can uh you can do good in school you can you know basically be a product of the system and and get a good high paying job and you can be a complete idiot because being good at making money um in the system that they've created and the system that they control doesn't mean you're you're intelligent and you know so when you see these people it's like okay you obviously make a lot of money and you're really good at that one job you do whatever it may be because you have that expensive car or you live in an expensive house or neighborhood but you're a complete idiot you don't think for yourself you're brainwashed you're a, a zombie you're a sheeple you're whatever term you want to use you're just going with the herd and you have this mentality that if the experts say something if the authorities say something then that's what I go with. I don't think for myself. I don't push back against the authorities. If there, if there's arrows on the ground, I follow those arrows and I never stop and say, why the fuck do I have to follow these arrows? There's nobody in, in this, uh, you know, store, you know, so it's, it's, it, they're molding, like, like Steve said, the school thing is huge because I think a lot of these issues that are due to um, this brainwashing of, of, of kids in school and, and not teaching them, how to think you're teaching them what to think which is a huge issue you know you're, you're basically saying i'm force feeding you my ideology and the way to look at the world instead of saying let's explore different ways of looking at the world let's explore different ideologies um i, I think that it's it's what led to a world that can be tricked into such a obvious bullshit you know trick like this uh, the whole pandemic thing i mean it didn't take a lot of mental effort or mental ability to realize like hey this shit's not making sense like there's there's a lot of things that aren't making any sense why do i have to wear a mask when i walk you know to the bathroom but once i get to my table i can uh, take it off why do restaurants have to shut down at nine o'clock does the virus come out at nine what the fuck is going on here except, like except if if the corporations are running them the multinational corporations it's just your local and this is the part of crushing the local businesses the small business owners they should they should be regarded as proletariat now Small farmers, small business owners uh, should be on the side. Well, of the it was workers. all a part of the plan. You, you, you live in Europe. Uh, uh, you know, I, I was born in Europe. We used to go back every other year. Um, so I would spend at least a month, month and a half in, in Portugal uh, most of my summers growing up. And each town had its own identity. Each country 
in, in Europe, the beautiful thing about Europe, you can drive to Spain, you can drive to France, you could drive uh, different places, and it, and you could experience it. Um, now what they've done and 20, you know, it's what they wanted to do anyways. And it was going in that direction anyways, basically just added nitrous to the, uh, uh, killed small businesses where now it doesn't matter if I go to Norway, Finland, Portugal, Spain, uh, England, uh, South Africa, Nigeria, like every place, Starbucks, every place is going to have a McDonald's, every place it's going to have the same bullshit, you know, box store, it's going to have a Walmart, it's going to have an Amazon that delivers to your door, it's going to have all this stuff. And every place is going to be the same instead of every place having its own identity. And when I go to Norway, I can be like, Al, I want to try food that you eat. Give me a restaurant that, you know, is unique. Not to the Norway, not the Norway. But, but I get your point. And, uh, you know what we call it over here? We call that Americanization. Although it should be upgraded now just to be called globalization. But, but it's kind of uh, coming together. But it's interesting you say the school, you know, the boomer generation was the last generation where the schools were... You could go to school without having a practical profit motive. Like you could be the perennial student. You could you could study something just for the sake of learning it. Now, since the that since the sixties, uh, it's been a downhill, especially since the eighties. And now it's like you say, it's just a manufacturing plant for new uh, obedient cogs in the machine that's it it's a factory and the, the, the academics today oh they think themselves so, so intellectual and you know the definition of intelligence iq test etc is exactly what you say it's about problem solving and surviving now we live in an unsustainable fictionous global system now and it's not sustainable so it's going to collapse one way or the other it's going to collapse and so these people you, you, you were dissing are going to be the last to survive. And these are the Kool-Aid drinking people who need, the, you know, they're married to the system. They need to believe that things are as uh, it's presented to them. Uh, these are the people who cheer on censorship. These are the people who, who, who think that Alex Jones is a menace to society or that Trump is a boogeyman, etc. So th they were the one who f fell for the... Uh, Russia gate, they're falling for the Ukraine lie, etc. So there's a huge uh, segment of the population, uh, academics among them, but everyone who has an active interest, because I was discussing this with another Alex, Alex Akiris, and we were asking ourselves what makes, you know, the, the, the support they have, maybe 40% of the population, it's not more, because remember, who votes is 50% of Americans vote. Now, half of them vote Republican, half a Democrat, approximately. It changes sometimes, but that's the process. So we're talking 25%, but half of them, again, are populists on each side. That means that the establishment uh, support, and this is why they need to take down free speech on the Internet, because that's their diagnosis of why everything went wrong. It's nothing, oh, we're doing something wrong. No, 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 it's just we can't have people talk like we're doing now. So it's about 20% who support the active agenda. And that's actually a lot, because there will always be 10 to 15% idiots, no matter what subject we're talking about, no matter what culture, where in the world, whatever, always 15% retards ruin everything for everyone else. And they have about 20%. 
but they present it as they're, 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 they're the majority. So yeah, they ruin and schools are a part of this game, and then you got to get a corporate job, and you're a part of the system. But like you say, everyone else who has, if you, anyone makes it despite the circumstances, that's even that's intelligence, that's survival skills. Mark, anything to say to this? No, I agree, and I think <clears throat> it's interesting to have the three of us in a, a conversation like this, given that. You know, I was born and raised in America, you were born and raised in Norway, and Ricky was sort of born and raised sort of in both places, right? Europe and then the U.S. But yeah, I, I think ultimately the podcasting community has been revolving around free speech and truth. And because of that globalization effect people are and i think social media was doing this as well that's why they shut down twitter in a lot of countries but people are hearing these conversations more than ever people are speaking english and they're learning about these concepts that have been keeping our freedoms preserved to some extent here in the united states and i hope that's you know a ripple effect to use the term that's given the name of your awesome podcast, I'm just, you know, wondering what your thoughts are on that. Like, how can we as podcasters help spread this as far and wide as possible? Also, I was thinking about the name of your podcast. If you would, uh, I mean, it's an interesting name. We all get it. But uh, could you account for why you call it that? So, uh, as you could probably tell behind me, I, I play a little bit of music and I was an originally a, uh, my passion project was music and that was my, uh, what I spend most of my time doing and writing and, and whatnot. I ended up writing a song called the ripple effect. And then when, uh, I eventually started the podcast, I'm like, I need a, I need a title. I need a, maybe an intro song. I want to use one of my songs. And then I thought about that song, the ripple effect that I, uh, that I had. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to use that song as my intro. I'm going to use the name of the song as my, uh, the title of my podcast. And, uh, and it was also, um, you know, I, I wrote this song kind of because of my belief in all of us being able to make a difference, you know, like some of my music, I used to play in a, a band with my, my brother and a couple other friends. And then, um, eventually life kind of got in the way. It was really hard to keep people to, together. And, uh, I'm very like OCD, like, uh, when I'm into something, I like to invest all my time and effort into it. And, uh, and then, so I started doing music on my own and uh, it was uh, called theory six, um, theory and then number six. And it's, it's available my music. It's old now cause, cause it's been a while since I've written anything because the podcast has taken up so much time. But, but when I wrote the song, I truly believe in this idea that either through music or eventually through podcasting, uh, we can all make a difference. And the second we believe we can't, uh, they've won and we've lost and we, we have to keep going. And you never know who, who you inspire, who you influence or any of that stuff. I mean, I, I used to use the example of like people like Martin Luther King or anybody that you can think of that's like very inspirational or inspiring or a historic figure that everybody knows. Well, those people were inspired by lesser known people, right? Like if I could sit down Martin Luther King, there's probably a book that really inspired him that is from a unknown uh, author, somebody who's lesser known. There's probably a conversation with a relative or a friend that inspired uh, him or 
uh, molded, had a huge influences on his worldview or the way he looked at things, politics or society or culture, whatever it may be. And it's a lesser known person. And um, so we could all be that better known person or we can all be that lesser known person. But either way, we're influencing somebody and we're, we're doing something. And there's somebody with headphones right now, you know, on iTunes, pick this episode or listening to it and something that we say uh, could change the way they look at the world or change the way they, um, they, they, you know, uh, the path that their, their life goes and they could end up in a position that could be even more influential and they could be inspired or influenced by us. And we don't even know it. So uh, you see it even with music, right? I can use music as an example. There's plenty of very well-known bands that you you ask who influenced them and sometimes they say artists that you've never heard of and uh you know those bands maybe self-released the album or never really had success in in the sense of being you know on the charts or whatnot but they inspired bands that came after them and uh so you know it's just i truly believe in the ripple effect the podcast has kind of become a example of it because i started it here in the same basement with a friend of mine, I had a co-host and, uh, and then little by little, the show started growing. I started in 2013 and eventually, you know, I had people on like Dan Carlin and Eddie Bravo and Roger Stone and, you know, uh, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who was chief of staff for Colin Powell and, and, uh, you know, Thomas Drake, Dennis, a whistleblower and just like so many amazing guests that I couldn't even imagine ever having on. And, uh, and it's like, you know, it was all because I just continued doing it. And, um, you know, I remember, and the thing is we all have doubters in our lives. And I remember even when I'm sure you guys have people who, who maybe are thinking like, you know, who cares about your pot? It's, it's always weird. You know, what's funny about life is that if you talk to comedians, musicians, um, anybody, uh, who's, who's pursuing a passion project, uh, some of their biggest fans aren't friends and family, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like you figure like the people close to you would be the most supportive, but it's typically not the case. And, um, I remember having, um, this guy, Mike Martins, who is, a, uh, the guitarist of, at the time, it was a really big band, uh, in the metal scene called, uh, all that remains and all that remains. The guitarist is from love though. My, my same town, we had some mutual friends. So we hooked up and asked him to come on the show. I remember him talking about this. He's like, I'm from love though. He's like, I could go to the movies. I could go wherever. He's like, nobody comes up to me. He's like, I go to other towns and other cities all over the U S and people are like, Hey, that's the guitarist of all that remains. Let me take a picture, you know? And it's like, so it's, it's funny how that is. But my point is like, you know, regardless if there's doubters or not, or if there's, you know, you just have to keep doing it, you know? And if you do it for no other reason than feeling like you're contributing something, then it's worth doing. And success is different to many different people. And, you know, personally, I think success should be just, you know, the first, at least the first part of it, or maybe some part of it should be just you actually doing it. That alone is a success. If I keep procrastinating and never actually um, hit record or I, uh, you know, or whatever I want to do. If I want to start going to the gym, I go to the gym every morning. Like it's really easy to procrastinate and be like, oh, I need an extra hour of sleep. Oh, I'm too sore today. You know, it's like, once I decide that I'm going and I'm in that car and I get there, I've succeeded. Even if my workout sucks, I've uh, have some sense of success. Cause of like, I've made it here. I fought that procrastination and um, we all have doubters. I, when I started my podcast, I had friends of mine who are like, who's going to come on your show. And I'm like, I don't know. How are you going to contact people? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like, you're like, who, how, you know, how are you going to get people to listen? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And this goes back to that schooling thing. Maybe having that, 
that critical thinking skills or the problem solving skills of, uh, you know, gave me better tools to pursue these things instead of somebody who needed a book, right? Because when I started podcast in 2013, we all feel like we're late to the party, regardless when we get into it. But when I started in 2013, I felt like I was late to the party, but there wasn't a lot of information out there, or I didn't have any connections with people to answer questions. I'm like, how do I get my podcast on iTunes? How do I get my podcast yeah, on, yeah. you know, on, on, uh, you know, Spotify, how do I, you know, so it was, it was a lot of just like figuring things out and, and, uh, and learning along the way. And like, you know, it, everything from like, how do I contact guests? How do I record? How do I make it sound halfway decent? Um, all these little things and, and, uh, and, you know, and, but to go back to your question that, uh, um, you probably are wondering if I'm ever going to answer, I think, uh, uh, you know, the alternative media community, uh, in regards to like helping people, uh, wake up to things, I think we're all doing our part. And I, I tell people all the time, start a podcast, and I sound like the the poor man Joe Rogan because I'm always telling people to, to start a podcast and I'm telling people to to go out there and do something. If it's art, if it's music, if it's whatever, if it's just having a conversation with somebody and ha- and and being fearless and in in regards to to having tough discussions or not straying away from discussions that might be controversial, it's really easy to let somebody regurgitate propaganda they heard on TV and be like, okay, listen, this is a party or this is a family uh, dinner or this is, you know, Thanksgiving. I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to get in an argument and be the asshole. So they're going to regurgitate that information. I'm just going to ignore it. But it's like, you know, I, like my wife sometimes will give me that look like, shut up, Ricky, don't say anything. And, and, um, and, but I can't help it because I'm like, if I don't say something and, the other thing too, and and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but this is a really important point. Personally, I think it's an important point. We could argue about sports all day till the cows come home and nobody cares that, you know, it's a Thanksgiving dinner or if it's Christmas or whatever. We could argue like people get really, I'm Portuguese, people get really heated when you talk about soccer or football. You know? yeah. And um, I, I should use the proper term. You're right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're talking about, uh, you know, sports, people can get really heated. And, and it's okay. Nobody ever looks at you like, who's the asshole brought up soccer? You know, who's the asshole brought up you know, baseball or whatever, or basketball. Um, they just, you know, it just kind of gets dismissed. But if you talk about important topics, when we're talking about things that we should be discussing, uh, you know, things that are going on in the world, propaganda that the news is, is giving us, um, you know, uh, maybe conversations about religion or spirituality or, or uh, you know, uh, any of these more important topics, then if it leads to a uh, a, a debate or a, some conflict, all of a sudden people are like, see, you shouldn't have brought it up. And I almost feel like it's a well-planned uh, trick to get us to not talk about the important things, to keep us just talking about the pointless things, you know? And uh, so to me, like, I don't stray away from those conversations. I don't think we should be avoiding those conversations. I think what we should be doing is learning how to have them without fighting without arguing without having conflict and it's hard because believe me i've been called a anti-vaxxer uh many of times in my life it's it, i going to the doctors with my parents when I, I was really young i'd always ask a lot of questions and piss off a lot of doctors because things wouldn't make sense and i wouldn't just take their word for it and i'm like well that doesn't make sense and that you know 
and uh, and always being in, in in health and nutrition and dieting and exercising, uh, I found that a lot of uh, people were the a lot of people who were the healthiest were people who took their health in their own hands. That they didn't trust a pill, they didn't trust a you know whatever you know. Um, no, w- without dieting, without exercising, without taking care of yourself, there's no pill that's going to make you healthy. You have to do it yourself. And uh, w- so to to me, like that already started the skepticism in the health and nutrition world. And, and then in time, I'm like, okay, you know, you start kind of unraveling the plans like, oh, they keep us sick. They keep us dumb either way, you know, or they keep either way. They, they have control of us, right? It's like either uh, pharma's controlling us in regards to our health um, and, and just force feeding us this bullshit science uh, or lack of, and, 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 and telling us, you know, this is how we, we recover from this issue, or this is what we have to, this is the treatment that we should be doing um, and not, you know, and suppressing information that conflicts with that, or it's, it's uh you know, this is how you get a good job. You have to go to a school, whatever it is, it's always control. And uh, so I think that, you know, the, the thing is like, people need to take their lives, take their health, take everything in their own information, take everything in their own hands, be skeptical of everything and do your own research. Now this goes back to the censorship thing. Like you brought up, Mark, it's a huge issue and it's something that gets brought up over and over again because people can hear us talk about alternative treatments of this or alternative treatments of that. You know, I've had Dr. Thomas Seifried on my show. He wrote uh, the book, uh, Cancer as a Metabolic Disease. He has like 150 peer review studies, uh, all showing that like you can use dietary um, actions to help prevent or or fight cancer because glucose is is a energy source to cancer. If you do things like fasting or the ketogenic diet and you get your body in ketosis or in a fasting state, you can actually uh, treat cancer in many uh, different uh, examples. And there's research to this. Nobody cares. Dr. Tom Seafried is a, a well-respected scientist and 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 writer and author and researcher. And he basically said on my show, nobody cares about this because there's no money in it, you know? Exactly. Um, because, because science uh, academia is just as rigged as the school system. That's why. You're right. I mean, and I think that's something that people finally have learned. Like statistics can easily be uh, skewed in one way or another. Uh, people listening, I highly recommend people checking out a great short documentary by uh, James Corbett, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. Um, he did a documentary called The Crisis of Science, which specifically looks at this issue itself, this idea of like how easy it is to get something peer reviewed, how um, how the majority, I forget what percentage uh, it is, if it's 60 or 70%, like a huge percentage of studies can't be recreated. So they do a study, they say, this is the outcome. Then you try to recreate that study the exact same way and they get a completely different outcome. And also the human element of it, right? Like if I'm looking for something, if I want a specific outcome, I'm going to ignore certain things and I'm going to highlight other things to get that outcome. Um, So this idea that scientists are this like, super moral uh incapable of, of feeling uh it's, you know, it's because people have never had as little understanding of science as they have today we have never cherished science more as an institution that's called scientism but the the loudest adherents to that religion are those with the less understanding of science and add to that uh, arrogant materialist academics who are like they, they, they feel they have to step on 
whatever they deem as their threat. So, so you have some scientist too who is bloating up this uh, scientism thing. But yeah, people have no understanding. They they don't know the difference between a scientist and science as a, as a process. So they believe in science. No, science is not a consensus thing. It you should not believe in it. That's how science is pushed forward, right? But it's like believe in in the Vatican, believe in the priests, believe in the scientists, believe in science. By the way, the principle you described about not being popular in your home turf. I mean, look at me. I have half my listeners are American, but it has an adage to it, and that adage is you never become a prophet in your own country. So that's how universal and timeless that principle is. Unfortunately, we can't blame that on conspiracy. <laughs> mm. <clears throat> well said, Al. You're talking about scientism. This might be something that you guys might find fascinating. So I've been super intrigued with uh, Alexander Dugan, the uh, Russian philosopher, mm. and I've had Michael Millerman on my show, who is the philosopher from Canada. He's also a, a Russian philosopher, born in Canada, but his family's from Eastern Europe. and. Um, he came on my show and, and I've been, I, I was like super del delighted to have him on um, because he's one of those guys that like is, is just so thought provoking and all his ideas and perspectives and, and just, you know, makes you kind of rethink things. But um, one thing that I, I found fascinating, so being uh, into like exploring Alexander Dugan and Michael Millerman and hearing Michael Millerman talk, and they talk a lot about uh, Leo Strauss, which is another super fascinating philosopher. And he's real, uh, Millerman's a huge fan of Leo Strauss, very inspired by Leo Strauss. And so Leo Strauss, and, and Millerman talks about this, and I believe Alexander Dugan also talks about this, but they talk about this idea of how the enlightenment, uh, how we look at it as this great achievement uh, throughout history, right? And Leo Strauss has a different perspective on this. He believes what happened was that, so before the Enlightenment, uh, people were spiritual, they believed in the supernatural, their uh, religion had a lot of power over people. Um, and they felt like, oh, now with the Enlightenment, right? Like now we're we're more materialistic. We're more, uh, we don't believe in all this supernatural stuff. We're not going to have religious wars because people don't aren't going to believe in these, uh, you know, these prophets and, and scriptures and all this stuff. Um, but what it did is that the end result of it was that you created materialism and you created people who didn't believe in good and evil and people who weren't. Uh, super or didn't believe in anything that that seemed supernatural and like like al said almost had a arrogance that we have it figured out that we understand the world as we know it and um and and it also uh, i think forced us in the direction that we're at now where people believe in experts they believe in in science being settled which is the most unscientific thing you could say uh science is never settled um I mean, that's, I mean, the history of science is just one thing debunking the next thing. And uh, so it, it's a really interesting idea because a lot of times historians will talk about the enlightenment in a way, like it's a achievement, like humanity uh, grew from it and we, we benefit from it. And, and this is really the opposite. This is looking at it as the loss of spirituality, the loss. And I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I, when people were talking about, you know, the COVID thing um, being a spiritual war, you felt it. You felt like there was some something to uh, this good versus evil thing. And somebody who believed in a maybe a uh, 
ultimate good, you know, a God, a, a Jesus, a whoever, um, some type of prophet, uh, then they would also believe that evil exists where the, the materialistic person, the, the, the person who believes in scientism, like, like Al said, they had a hard time believing that somebody would, uh, put on a market a a vaccine that could harm people or that um you eugenics or depopulation agenda could exist because god forbid there's evil people out there who could do all these evil things like they just don't believe it exists and uh so i you could almost track back uh some of this uh thinking that we have that led us to where we are now uh, back to enlightenment and and almost look at it as like it was almost one of the worst things that happened to humanity because it detached us from from so many concepts that that we that we you know for so long uh were a part of like you know asking these bigger questions like well you know and that's that's where like i think spirituality and religion and and anything that can get you to to detach from the material world i think is important you know if it's psychedelics if it's some type of spiritual practice uh i think that it's really easy to get caught up in this like materialistic world where you work you buy shit you know that you don't really need that makes you temporarily happy and you just continue doing that and that's all that life is to you and i think you know that's where that that's what the enlightenment did it created that type of worldview where it's like you're content with that because you don't believe anything else exists or you mm. don't think those things are important and um so you know it's it's a it's a fascinating idea of, of like kind of rethinking the enlightenment and how it can be basically to blame for a lot of our issues well, what do you guys think about that I think that's powerful and it's a beautiful way to wrap up this really great conversation. We're almost coming to the top of the hour, Ricky. Well said, man. Yeah, I think this this is, you know, a long ways out from seeing a conclusion to these sort of things going on in society, specifically with scientism, but I don't know. I think it's it's only darkest before the dawn, so there is hope and I know people can tune into your show and hear a lot of hope a lot of raw truth and honesty and uh, also the union of the unwanted, which you guys just put out a really excellent show just this past Monday, uh, yesterday. And uh, you had an, a guest who's a Pfizer whistleblower. So that's an incredibly interesting rabbit hole for anyone to dive down. I encourage people to check that out. Ricky, any final thoughts before we wrap up here? Uh no, well, you can find, I guess I'll, I'll just let people know that you can find the audio of the Ripple Effect podcast and the Union Done Wanted uh, anywhere you can you listen to podcasts. You can go to the rippleeffectpodcast.com, find all the links there, or the Union of the Unwanted.com. And uh, the video is available. The Ripple Effect podcast videos are available everywhere Bandot Video, Bitch Shoot, Rumble, Float, um, um, Rockfin, and, uh, and, Union Union of the Unwanted is live streamed every other Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Then uh, within a couple of days, it's uh, available on Odyssey and the audio is also available everywhere. And the audio for that uh, episode we did last night is now available everywhere. Uh, Brooke Jackson is a, a Pfizer whistleblower. I actually, she was on my show a, a week or maybe a week, week and a half ago. 
and I've been so behind releasing episodes. I actually wanted to save her until I released my episode because I'm like, nobody's going to listen to the episode if I ever union you, you wanted and she shares her story. But, and then uh, with Sam being on Rogan recently and, um, and then, you know, I'm like, you know what, let's, let's make a big, uh, let's have a big show. So then I actually hit her up last second uh, and I'm like, Hey, Brooke, would you come on uh, tonight's show? And uh, she did. And I had a bunch of other people that, that wanted to come on. So uh, that's what makes that show really unique is that you just throw a bunch of, th- it's, it's like cooking or, 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 you know, or baking, you throw a bunch of ingredients together and somehow it works out and you, you know, you, you, you bake or, or make this beautiful thing. And um, you know, I think it also says a lot about the alternative media community because I think that, so many people from different backgrounds, so many different content creators, so many different researchers and thinkers on that show. And, uh, but yet everybody gets along. Everybody's respectful, even when they're challenged, uh, nobody takes it personally. And, uh, I, you know, I knock on wood, we haven't had any shitheads. L- luckily everybody who's been on the show is typically somebody I've had some type of, uh, interaction with. It's, uh, if you look at past guests, they've all been, basically like 99% of them have been on the ripple effect podcast. So that way I feel comfortable with them. Like I kind of know like, okay, this person's going to mesh well, they're not going to be rude. They're not going to, you know, so that helps a lot. And of course, Sam and Charlie and Mike have helped with, uh, you know, getting guests in, in the past two on specific topics or whatnot. But, uh, but it, it, it's, for me, it's, it's, easier to do it that way. Like at least I I've had someone on one, so I don't end up like ruining a show or bringing in somebody who everybody gets pissed off at. And then, you know, next thing you know, you know, I, I ruined an episode or whatnot. So, uh, you know, typically that works, but yeah. I can't imagine that happening. I think the union of the unwanted is great. And no, if, even if it didn't, I don't think anyone would blame you. So yeah, well said. I, I think this show's great. I was a guest on a handful of episodes, Uh, a while ago i hope to be back on soon and you should certainly consider having uh al a part of it i don't know if that time would work for you in norway but we'll we'll uh, we'll see if we can make it happen so there's this guy ronnie from finland who uh i actually met him because he was uh, i do these shows once a month with my patreon supporters where i just hang out my patreon supporters we record an episode then i release it uh on my rss feed as a full episode and one of the people that was on my patreon was this guy ronnie and he's from finland he's well researched but he's also hilarious he has a great sense of humor and i kept telling him like dude start a podcast start a podcast eventually he did start a podcast called enlighten me with ronnie and um and i've had him on and i don't know how we and just dr jessica rose has been on a bunch too and she's in israel which you know i don't know it's like two in the morning or whatever uh when when she's been on alex craner has been on so not to put pressure on you al you definitely don't have to stay up that late but i'm saying it has been done a few people have done it and if you guys are up for it then we have a episode coming up on uh, the 22nd um and i got some some guests that i'm working on uh, that I actually wanted on this last episode, but one, one uh, a bigger guest that hopefully will be joining us on the 22nd and it'll be live streaming Rockfin. Like I said, it's premium content, but eventually it's uh, it's free uh, within a couple of days on Odyssey. And uh, so you can definitely find it for free out there. And it is, it's one of the best conversations out there. I would love to have both you guys back on. And, uh, you know, we, we try to, we definitely have some, some returning guests, uh, you know, um, over and over again. Um, and, and we like to mix it up. Like sometimes, you know, like the grime America guys are, are, are regulars this past one. I'm like, you know what? We already have a lot of people. Let me, you know, so we try to mix it up a little bit, but you know, honestly, I'm, I'm always sometimes concerned about having too many people on, but 
people, like you were saying, Mark, people are so polite that a lot of people like yourself, Mark, when you're on, you're not one of those people that like, you're not an intention whore. You're not one of those people who are like, I must say something. I must get involved. Like you're cool with like just listening, you know, and um, you know, grime America's like that. Uh, you know, a lot uh, Scott from the rebunk podcast, uh, Miriam, a lot of the, you know, Monica Perez, like a lot of the people who are regulars on the show, uh, they, you know, they're, they're, it says something about the community because it's like we're sponges and we're more than happy to just learn stuff uh we don't feel the need to have to like force feed our ideologies or our opinions and um and i think that comes with age i think if you get a you know when we're young podcasters when i started i was much more likely to maybe uh do more talking than listening and now i'm completely okay with like you know doing the majority of the listening Mm. And, and very little talk. Well, I was going to say, as a younger guy on the show, I do try to at least speak every episode because it is a challenge sometimes to get a word in. And uh, that's very nice of you to say. I appreciate that. I, I, I've been admiring you for the same ability to actually shut up. I don't have that. <laughs> you, put me on, you don't want me on. But I can sec- second the fact that um, the Go America guys are like that because they had me on. And uh, they let me go uh, on, uh, you know, on an uninhibited rant. So. Mm. Well, I think that's a great skill to have as a host, you know, to be able to listen and let the whole thought develop. And, and it gives you time to really reflect on how you'll retort. But here we are wrapping up, Ricky. I know we're doing. I know we're doing. Can I just ask one last question? Yeah, of course. Because I, I, I want to ask every question, uh, every guest this question. And that is, how on earth do you handle males? Do you pay someone to deal with that or, or handle what emails, emails? Yes. People who contact you all the time. How do you handle that? You know, what's funny. I, uh, I wonder the same thing with people that are much bigger than me. Like Corbett, uh, James Corbett was one of like my first big guests. I actually, I think just in general, one of my first guests that came on my show, him, Jason Burmis, Douglas Ruskoff, Dr. Brzezinski. I can name them all because I remember how big of a treat it was. Dan Carlin. Um, Dan Carlin at that time still, uh, I think, wrote his own emails. Now he doesn't anymore. But he, um, you know, I, I always think I'm like, how the hell do these guys write? So what do you do? I, honestly, I find time. I go through everything. Like, And the hard part now, because it's social media, like I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm, I have a personal Facebook page. I have a Ripple Effect podcast Facebook page. I have, you know, I'm on Parler. I'm on Getter. I'm on, you know, all these different places that it does get um, hard to kind of keep up with things sometimes. You know, I'm on Telegram. So it's like, you know, it, it's you, you, you almost just can't be too hard on yourself. Like, take some time catch up when you can and then when you can't like okay i'll get back to this and and just find time to kind of do it but i mean i couldn't imagine being james corbett the amount of emails he gets uh you know the, the and he responds to, you know you you respond to the ones you can and you know i'm sure there's some that like you kind of skim real quickly and and go through i remember daniele Bignelli, like him telling um his listeners on the show that you know like his email address and i'm like that's suicide. Don't do that. You know, but yet he does it. And then I would email him. I'm like, Oh, he's never seeing himself. Yeah. And then I'm like, if I, I'm like, now if I want him back on the show, I'm like, he'll, he's never going to find my email. I send him an email. He gets right back to me. I'm like, how are you doing this? I'm like, I don't, but, you, know, but then you don't deal with memberships. Do you, do you have like, no, subscribers no, or, no, my show is in the public. So I'm, I'm a big fan of open source. I'm a big fan of, of this idea of like, I don't, 
care if I get to click, if I get to download, if I get to view, uh, I don't need that number to be bigger um, for any other reason. I just need people to get the conversation. So I, I tell people, Mike, share this. I remember at one time, and it's probably still like that, where like on BitChute, uh, some of my shows that have the most views aren't on my channel. Uh, people are just up uploading them. Before yeah, I got picked off YouTube, um, plenty of people were uploading my show on their own channels. I don't care about like to me it's like if the conversation gets out there then that's what i care about like you know eventually you hope that people will contribute and people will find their way to um your work and and then hopefully because i mean the goal for for many of us is to do this full time i'm still uh you know trying to do that mostly because uh, yeah, I think if if I was probably a little bit more business savvy, or if I wasn't so concerned about this passion project, feeling more like a business than a passion project, and um, I would spend more time thinking about how mo how to monetize and stuff like that. But I'm just I, I'm like that that hopeless uh, you know musician that's like I just want to play my guitar and I just oh, hope gosh. that people like it, and I just want to record some conversations with interesting people, hopefully give some value to people or give them something that's thought provoking, and hope people like. It and and I hope that all the other things fall into place and hopefully people will contribute. People will if they can. You know that's one thing I always tell people too. Like we're all you know we're all living in this crappy world that we're constantly talking about. I know there's tons of people out there that are struggling the same way we're struggling, um, living paycheck to paycheck. I don't want those people contributing. I want the people who have tons of extra money you know um it, it, but you know if you can't contribute don't you know i have people write me sometimes and and you know almost feel guilty that they can't contribute because they listen to my show i'm like don't i'm like it's, it's okay I, I get people with worse stories oh uh, I, my wife got cancer and i can't afford anymore and i feel so bad i say jesus man you look you have here you have a lifetime uh, free subscription that's awesome. And they get so happy. Oh, like you actually did something for them. So well, yeah, you, I, I hear Because there's probably some shitheads that would be like, no, you know, like too yeah, bad, yeah, you know. Yep. Well, and, and, and it's my understanding that you do something similar, Al, with your subscribers. It's value for value in the sense that you can choose how much you'd like to donate per month. It's not like, oh, you have to give me $8 or you don't get me. I'm guilty of that. I do the Patreon thing and it's helped me turn this into what's that? It's, it's fair. It's fair. It's right. And most people go for that. But I, I kind of find a middle ground between Ricky and, and you, Mark. Mm. I agree with Ricky. I remember when I was listening myself to podcasts, how annoying that the first hour is free. The second hour you have to pay, right? I'm a big pirate, so I always try to find error. But here I found a solution. So I have become a member, and you always have at least 10 unreleased show at any given time. So it's one show in, one show out. Eventually, everything is out for free for everyone. So if you pour, you just have to wait nine months for the show to get out, right? But you still get it. And if you have some dose, do like uh, Ricky said, uh, contribute. That's yeah, that's I mean, basically my model. The, the, the thing is, we know that the the, the cheapest people have money. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, the people who would contribute uh, are, are and want to contribute are the ones who, who probably are living paycheck to paycheck. That's why I'm always so concerned about saying, hey, my show's a value for value show. But I always emphasize, like, if you can't financially support the show, don't, please. Because it's like, I don't want anybody 
like, you know, struggling to feed their family and then feeling like, Hey, I, I listen to ripple effect podcasts all the time. I should be contributing something. It's like, no, no, no. Like worry about your family. If I can give yeah. you know some value uh, to your life, you know, and, and then write a review, maybe give me, you know, some stars on iTunes or whatever uh, that helps. And there's algorithms without a doubt fighting against us. So without a doubt, like even little things like, you know, retweeting a show, sharing a show, uh, reviewing a, sh uh, a podcast all helps a little bit because, you know, when I got kicked off YouTube, I saw how absolutely difficult it was to even Google my own show. Like, I would do, you know, do you know what show made you, you made them kick you out? Well, so before Rogan had McCullough and Dr. Robert Malone, I've uh, I've always had a really good relationship with doctors because uh, since the beginning of my show, I've always uh, had a lot of doctors on and nutritionists and people like that. So I, I've done a lot of networking in that world. So I was getting all these doctors on and then it was like, I don't know if it was one specific uh, show, but it was like I was getting a hit for the doctor. But it was COVID at least. Yeah, it was the COVID thing. I, I think before that, it's amazing. Like I've done shows you know, that have talked about JFK assassination, child trafficking. You know, I had Nick Bryan on years ago. We talked about Epstein before Epstein was a household name. We, we, you know, we did all this stuff and, and, you know, we talked about nine 11 JFK child trafficking, human trafficking, uh, pedophilia, nothing, never got a yeah, strike. Yeah. Once COVID happened, it's like yeah. all of a sudden, and it was uh, for a while I was going under the radar. I don't know how, but I, I survived a little longer than, uh, than some, but thanks to Matt from content safe. And I have to give a shout out to him because he's the reason why I wasn't, um, really concerned about getting, he was the last guest on, uh, on this show. So that's perfect. Shout out to Matt. Oh, but, yeah. but the reason they, they kick you kick us out for those things are because they only care about the current topics. The system is to truth can come after it doesn't matter. So that's why if you did it under the Epstein thing, bam, you would be out. If you did it under the Russia gate, bam, you would be out. If you did it under the COVID, bam, you would. Out. Now you can talk about vaccines. Well, maybe not vaccines, but you can talk certainly talk about the lab leak. So it's always like that. The Ukraine thing, when the Ukraine thing isn't a hot potato anymore. Actually, already you can start talking about criticizing Zelensky. So it's always you can do it after. But we're, we're really squeezing the clock here, Mark. I Sorry. guess we have to wrap it up. Oh, that's all right. This has been a great show. Ricky, again, thank you so much. I'll remind people that they could find you every other Monday on the Union of the Unwanted. You guys stream live. It's all on Rockfin. And of course, as we just said, the Ripple Effect podcast is free. It will always be free. And it is all over the place on every podcast app, whichever one you prefer. But as for us, we are signing out. Thank you for being a part of Alt Media United, Ricky. And I hope the listeners join forces. Join Alt Media United. Thanks. All right. And that was our conversation with Ricky Verandez, host of the Ripple Effect podcast. You can go and find all the information about his show and all the other great shows, a part of the cooperative at altmediaunited.com. You just click that podcast page, scroll down, or you can look at the menu and scroll down. Uh, it's alphabetical order. Uh, and they're all there. You can even listen to the show on the website. Uh, and then you, of course, can copy the RSS feed, paste that into the podcast app of your choice. I personally recommend Podcast Addict if you have an Android phone. Um, but, yeah, it's all there. And if you have a podcast and you're listening, don't be shy. Get in touch. We'll post your show on our website. And teach you everything you need to know that you might not already know or maybe you have a 
few things to teach us, in which case we'd love to have you as a guest on the show. Al, any thoughts on uh, on today's episode? Any final thoughts? Well, um, I'll say this. In the pre-commentary, we talked about joining us, right? Um, maybe we should, um, you know, every episode we have to educate the listeners a bit. Uh, what does it take to become a member of the union? So they send me an email, and then I send them an email back, and it's basically a information prompt. That's how I describe it. It has sort of a fill-in-the-blanks that they can copy-paste into a blank email, fill it out with all the necessary information. Uh, make sure you send me a nice photograph to use on the website. Make sure you send me all of the links that you would like shared, that you would like people to see when they find your show. Uh, don't leave any out. Um, social media, website, etc. And video content as well. Please share all those links as well. And uh, once you do that, once you send me all the information necessary, a little description and, and so on, uh, I will make a page for you on the site. And I will also add you to our cooperative Telegram, which has hosts only. Uh, and it's kind of a cool place to to meet other podcast hosts. Maybe you want to do a, a swap cast with them. Maybe you want to have a particular guest on your show who's a part of the cooperative who hosts a podcast. Uh, all of that is one of the uh, many benefits. or that, that is one of the many benefits of being a part of Alt Media United, I think. Um, yeah, there's no doubt that smaller shows uh, can benefit in the way that uh, you boost your listenership. But it, it really relies upon the reciprocity. What's that word in English? You said it. Reciprocity. Well, reciprocity. I'm going to mispronounce it because you said it wrong. <laughs> I, I said it wrong. What's the right one? Well, uh, I, I messed it up for you now, right? Yeah, exactly. The mutualness. Yeah. We are mutual. So the thing is... Reciprocity. <laughs> if you uh, join us, you ought to give a shout-out for the Alt Media United. Mm, right, if right, you don't right. do that... Um, don't be a leech, right? Because we want to, we, we, we're not operating from the scarcity model. If you're operating from the so-called old business model, we don't even want you because that's the, we, we are coming from the abundance thing, the mm. synergy effect thing. We know that everybody earns on mutual sharing. There's no such thing. This old school thing about competition is true in the corporate media. And that's why they need to throttle us and crunch us because I said in our first episode, you know, when YouTube was free and unregulated, what happened was nobody was listening to the mainstream media. Everybody was listening to independent media and people made it just overnight. Huge, became huge. That's the reality out there, folks. So when we're operating in a space that still has an unrigged but and an organic kind of space, then it's, it goes without saying, you come on, you, you, you talk about Alt Media United, another person comes on, talks about Alt Media United, and then we are all sharing uh, listeners. Now, if you're completely incompetent and nothing to contribute, I guess you could make a case that uh, scarcity could be a thing because pe why would people want to listen to you? Because there's nothing going on. But this is only true for those who have commercial incentives and really don't. They're starting podcasts to get a job. 
and they don't really have anything to say or contribute or they don't have strong feel. oh I, i'll try this now i'm going to try completely other thing in podcasting no you have to have something that you uh, kind of care about and and that's what you should but that said you don't have to be super good you don't have to be professional you don't have to be a nature talent you learn as you go along and uh, yeah just give us a shout out is all i'm saying and youtubers if you like some of the shows that's part of the unity also like us uh, on our youtube channel or, or rumble or odyssey or whatever because if you you know how these rigged algos work right you share like subscribe comment and bam you boost us to mm. a certain extent of course we're being shadow right. banned and quenched so right, but right, right. they can only stifle us so much well and and it's that like, being that being said i want to give a shout out to uh the reality czars podcast because they always link alt media united uh on instagram we have an instagram for alt media united and uh nice yeah they they've done a, a lot to shout out alt media united so i think they deserve a shout out and if you are part of the cooperative and and maybe you have been giving us a shout out and you hear this just uh send me an email let me know because i don't have time to listen unfortunately to every show that's uh part of the cooperative but uh, i'll say the how many do we have now it's it's upward of uh 90 i think it's it's almost in the triple digits we're almost at 100 so if you're listening yeah. you want to be a part of it please we'd love to have you be the hundredth podcast to, to join forces with us uh here on alt media united but until next time thank you for uh tuning in and uh our next episode will be with matt raymer from content safe so uh look forward to that mm, me too be seeing you.